بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار in the last lesson we started looking at the topic of the quran and the quran being the speech of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the uncreated speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, we went through the explanation of Shaykh Salih al-Suhaymi, hafizahullah ta'ala. And in that lesson, we basically established the, a summarized general belief of a Muslim regarding the Qur'an. And we said that this was summarized by the Salaf in a number of statements, a number of phrases, we say Al-Qur'an, Kalamullah. Al-Qur'an, Kalamullah. The Qur'an is the speech of Allah. Why? Because the, 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 the Qur'an is the actual speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ghayru makhluqin. And it is uncreated. Why? Because Allah's attribute of speech is uncreated. And so all of his speech, therefore, whether it is the Qur'an, whether it is the Torah, whether it is the Injil, meaning as it was uh, revealed, or whether it is his kalam that relates to the uh, governing of, of his creation, the commands he gives to his angels. And all of that is the uncreated speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because his attribute of speech is uncreated. And then they say, Al-Qur'anu kalamullah munazzalun It was sent down, غَيْرُ makhluqin, Uncreated. Minhu bada'a, it began, it originated with him, meaning as in the speech came from him, wa ilayhi ya'ud, and to him shall it return, meaning at the end of time, uh, when the Quran will be raised in a single night, and will be removed from the hearts of the people from the Masahif, and it will return back to him. So this was something that we went through in the previous lesson. And so today we want to continue on this topic by looking at some of the other explanations and notes and commentaries that we have. And a lot of it will be similar material to what we've already looked at in the previous explanation. But this is good because it allows us to revise and to remember the, the key issues that, that need to be uh, understood on this topic. So Ibn Taymiyyah, he said, in what is ascribed to him, وَأَقُولُ فِي الْقُرْآنِ مَا جَاءَتْ بِهِ آيَاتُهُ that I say regarding the Qur'an, that which has come in its verses, for it is the noble revelation. So the first issue that we look at today is this word, the Qur'an. Qur'an, the word itself, Al-Qur'an. There are a number of different views regarding what is the origin of this word, the Qur'an. Does it come from the verb qara'atu? I read the verb qara'a means to read, to recite. 
where does this word Qur'an come from? There's actually a number of opinions here. Uh, it's technical, grammatical uh, information. Uh, but just to summarize the essence of the, of the point that we want to take from this, it is that the word Qur'an is actually a word that is unique. It's not, it's not something that's necessarily derived from the verb Qara'a. Because there is no other book that is called the Qur'an. Only the Qur'an is called the Qur'an. If it had been derived from the verb Qara'a, then every book which is recited would have been called the Qur'an. But we don't see any other book being called the Qur'an. So this shows that the Qur'an as a noun, that the Qur'an here is as a noun, it is something that is a unique name only for this book that we have. Just like the Torah is a unique name for a specific book. And the Injil is a unique name for a specific book. And the Qur'an is likewise, it is like this. Abu Ubaid Ma'bar bin al-Musanna, he says that the Qur'an, al-Qur'anu, ismu kitabillahi khasah. La yusamma bihi shay'un min sa'ir al-kutub. He says the Qur'an is a name for the book of Allah specifically. It is no other book is named with this. And it is named the Qur'an because this Qur'an has gathered all of the chapters together and brought them together. This is one of the meanings of the, of the word Qara'a in fact. Qara'a that we have in Arabic, it means to recite, but it also means to gather and bring together. And so, and then he mentions the ayah in the Qur'an, إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا جَمْعَهُ وَقُرْآنَهُ that indeed it is upon us to gather it and its, its recital. This is Surah Al-Qiyamah, Surah 75, verse number 17. So this is the view of Imam al-Shafi'i, rahimahullah, and also many other authorities who are specialists in the, in the language. So this is the meaning of the word Qur'an. It is specifically for the book that we have, the Qur'an. As for the Qur'an, that we, are that we are speaking of as it relates to this issue of creed, then Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah explains uh, in one of his works that the Qur'an that we are speaking of is the Qur'an known to every Muslim, which all of the Muslims know that it is the Qur'an. And it is the Qur'an that we have, which, 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 which we have in its letters and in its meanings, and in the commands and the prohibitions, and it is the Qur'an in its wording, in the actual words, and it is the Qur'an in its meaning. All of this together is the Qur'an. Why is this important? This might seem obvious to us, but why is this important? This is important to us because, as we discussed in the previous lesson, and we shall discuss again, inshallah, in today's lesson, there are people who, under the influence of certain uh, foreign ideas, they innovated many, many statements that were unknown to the Sahaba and to the Imams of the Salaf. And they began to bring new, foreign, innovative definitions for some of these Arabic words. Like, what is the definition of kalam? And so they began to say, kalam in Arabic is just the meaning that one has in, 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 in the soul, in the self. It's not actual speech. And they innovated these new definitions because they had certain doctrines that, that they were trying to support. So when it came to the Qur'an, based upon these incorrect, deviant definitions, they began to say that this Qur'an that we have present with us is 
is not the actual Qur'an which is with Allah. Because the actual Qur'an with Allah is just a meaning. It doesn't consist of words and you know, uh, you know, so on and so forth. So when we say, what is the Qur'an? Well, the Qur'an which every single Muslim knows is this Qur'an which is 114 surahs. It is composed of, of letters and words and ayat of signs. Its meanings, it has uh, commands, prohibitions. All of it is the Qur'an. This is the, this is the only Qur'an that we know. There is no other Qur'an. This is the only Qur'an that the Muslims know. And he, so Ibn Taymiyyah continues and he says that the people of Athar, the people of the prophetic narrations, Ahlul Sunnati wal Hadith, Wa'amatul Muslimin, who are the majority of the people of the Qibla, they hold that Alif Lam Mim, Alif Lam Mim, that this is the Qur'an, that all of this is the Qur'an, and all of the other ayat, all of this is the Qur'an, and it is, it is Allah's speech. It is not the speech of anyone else. And he also says in another place, Shaykh al he says, that which the Salaf have agreed upon, and the Imams, is that the Qur'an, so he says, وَالَّذِي اتَّفَقَ عَلِيهِ Salaf وَالْأَئِمَّةِ أَنَّ الْقُرْآنَ كَلَامُ اللَّهِ مُنَزَّلٌ غَيْرُ مَخْلُوقٍ مِنْهُ بَدَأَ وَإِلَيْهِ يَعُودٌ Which is the exact statement that we, that we said in the previous lesson. We summarized that this is the position of, of the Salaf. That the, that the Qur'an is the actual speech of Allah. It is revealed and sent down, not created. From it did it begin, and to him shall it return. And Imam al-Sabuni, rahimahullah, Abu Uthman al-Sabuni, he was a scholar from the 5th century after Hijrah. He has a famous book uh, called Aqidatul Salaf wa Ashab al-Hadith. And so he summarizes in there the position of the Imams of the Salaf in all different aspects of creed. And from them he mentions this statement regarding uh, the Quran. He says, and the people of Hadith, they testify and they witness and they believe that the Qur'an is the speech of Allah and His book. It is His book. And it is His khitab. It is His discourse. And it is His revelation. Wahi. And it, it is His revelation again. Tanzil. It is uncreated. It is uncreated. Man qala bi khalqihi wa'ataqadahu fahuwa kafirun indahum. And whoever said that it is created or believed in this belief then he is a disbeliever in their view to them. So, the first issue then is, what is the belief of Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah? What are the evidences for this belief that we hold? First of all, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, تِلْكَ الرُّسُلُ فَضَّلْنَا بَعْدَهُمْ عَلَىٰ بَعْدِ مِنْهُمْ مَنْ كَلَّمَ اللَّهِ So in the Qur'an Allah says, these are the messengers, these are the messengers. We made some of them to excel over others. And amongst them are those whom Allah spoke to. Minhum man kallam Allah. Now this ayah is in Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah number 2, verse 253. This ayah establishes that Allah spoke to some of the messengers. Meaning He spoke to them directly. Spoke to them directly. In another ayah, Allah says, وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهُ Musa Taklima. That Allah spoke to Moses 
directly with speech, with actual speech. Now this is one of those verses that some of the innovators and the people of deviation, they try to twist the verses in the Qur'an. Just like the Jews used to do, they used to twist the words in the Torah for meanings other than the meanings which were intended. So in this ayah Allah said, وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهُ وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهُ مُوسَى تَكْلِيمًا In the Arabic language, this, this would mean that Allah is the one who spoke to Moses directly. Now in Arabic, it is possible to change just one vowel point in this whole sentence, and the meaning would be turned the other way around. It would become that Moses spoke to Allah. So if you were to say, وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهَ وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهَ مُوسَى تَكْلِيمًا So we change from Allahu to Allaha. This now changes the meaning in the ayah. Now it means, and Moses spoke to Allah. Okay. This is what the, the, the Mu'tazila and the Jahmiyyah, they try to do. They try to twist this ayah and say, no, no, this ayah should be read, وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهَ مُوسَى تَكْلِيمًا This is a, 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 a corruption and mischief. And so the, the point being here that in this ayah, it is clearly established that Allah spoke to Moses directly. And in fact, some of the Salaf, when they came across this argument from the Jahmiyyah in that time, they would say, okay, let's, let's accept that this ayah is like this. Then what would they say to the other verse in the Quran in which Allah says, وَلَمَّا جَاءَ مُوسَى لِمِيقَاتِنَا وَكَلَّمَهُ رَبُّهُ وَكَلَّمَهُ رَبُّهُ This is a word that you simply cannot distort in that way. It reads, When Musa came to our meeting point, وَكَلَّمَهُ رَبُّهُ then his Lord spoke to him. This is a word where you can't play that game and you can't twist the, 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 the words. So they said, what would these people do with this verse then? And so this verse is in Surah Al-A'raf, Surah 7, verse 143. And also the verse that we mentioned in the previous lesson, وَإِنْ أَحَدٌ مِّنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ اسْتَجَارَكَ فَأَجِرْهُ حَتَّى يَسْمَعَ كَلَامَ اللَّهِ That if one of the mushrikeen come and they seek protection from you, Give him protection until he hears the speech of Allah. The speech of Allah. So even though we know that he's hearing the recitation of the Qur'an through the voice of someone, then it is, Allah mentioned it here, Kalam Allah. He mentioned it as his speech. So all of these verses, they indicate to us that Allah spoke to some of his prophets directly. Those prophets heard the voice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that voice and that speech, it is the uncreated speech of Allah because it is the attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Likewise, we see in the hadith of Jabir radiallahu anhu regarding the statement of the messenger, فَإِنَّ قُرَيْشًا قَدْ مَنَعُونِي أَنْ أُبَلِّغَ كَلَامَ رَبِّي For indeed the Quraysh, they have prevented me from conveying the, the speech of my Lord. So here the messenger is clearly saying, that he has conveyed the, the kalam, the speech of his Lord. It is not his own kalam. It is not from himself. It is the actual kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also in a, another hadith reported by Abu Huraira, radiallahu anhu, he said uh, that the messenger said, uh, Indeed, when Allah loves so and so, in Allah idha ahabba fulanan nada jibreel. He calls out to Jibreel. When Allah loves a person, 
he calls out to Jibreel and he says, Inni uhibbu fulanan Indeed, I love so and so. So therefore, you love him as well. You, you love him as, as well. It's a hadith in Bukhari and Muslim. And also the, another hadith of Abu Huraira, uh, in hadith in which there occurs the wording, Ya Musa, Allahu bi kalamihi. O Musa, Allah chose you for his speech. Allah chose you, meaning to speak to you directly by way of his, of his speech. All of these are hadith which are authentic. They establish along with the verses that we mentioned that Allah speaks. Allah spoke to some of the prophets and messengers. And that the messengers, the, the, what they conveyed of revelation wasn't something from the self. It is the actual kalam of their Lord. So these are some of the evidences. Uh, we explained in the previous lesson the difference between the voice and the word. The sawt and the kalam. We mentioned this in, in, in the previous lesson. That a person can be mentioning speech in his own voice, but it is not his words. Those words never originated with him. So with the Qur'an, when we hear a qari reciting the Qur'an, so for example, we hear you know, some of the imams in the haram, we hear them all reciting the same Qur'an in different voices. Their voices are their own, but the kalam, the words in every instance, it, is, it belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we distinguish between the sawt, and the, the actual kalam. And a proof for this is the hadith in which the Messenger he said, he ordered, Zayyinul Qur'ana bi aswatikum. He said, Beautify the Qur'an with your voices. So he distinguished between the Qur'an and the voices. Right? So, so a person, so the, the, the reason why this is important is because. When we say the Qur'an is uncreated, we mean that the Qur'an began as the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah spoke the Qur'an. So what we have with us in the written words or when we hear the Qur'an, it is the unspoken word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But as for when we hear it, when we read it, when we hear it through the voice of somebody else, that voice obviously is created. The voice is no doubt it is, it is created. So we distinguish between the voice, which is the medium through which we hear the word of Allah, and between the actual word of Allah. We distinguish between those two things, the voice and the actual word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the proof of this is in this hadith as well, uh, beautify the Qur'an with your voices. So the messenger distinguished between the voice and, and the Qur'an. Secondly, the proof that the Qur'an is not created, then there are a number of verses that the Salaf used to establish this. The first of them is the one, the one that we mentioned in the previous lesson, and the one that we mentioned earlier on. If one of the pagans ask for protection from you, then give him protection. فَأَجِرْهُ حَتَّى يَسْمَعَ كَلَامَ اللَّهِ So give him protection, until he hears the speech of Allah. So this means that this is in the context of when the battles were taking place and some of the mushrikeen would seek protection. So the Muslims were ordered to give them protection and the reason he is given so that he may hear the kalam of Allah. Now obviously he can only hear the kalam of Allah by way of whoever is reciting the Quran, by way of the Prophet Muhammad when he's reciting the Quran in the salah or otherwise. So here Allah referred to it as Kalam Allah. Yes, Hatta Yasma'a Kalam Allah. Whose speech is he hearing? 
He's hearing the speech of Allah, but who is he hearing it from? He's hearing it through the voice of someone, you know, the, 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 the Imam. So, this shows that the kalam of Allah is, is, is one of the proofs to show that the, the, the kalam of Allah is, is uncreated. A second proof is in Surah Al-A'raf, Surah 7, verse 54, when Allah says, وَالشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ وَالنُّجُومَ مُسَخَّرَاتٍ بِأَمْرِهِ in fact, this is a, a, a long verse. In the verse it mentions, uh, Indeed, your Lord is the one who created the seven heavens and the earth in six days. Then he made istawa upon the arsh. He makes the night uh, to, to merge into the day, to envelope the day. And it, the night seeks out the day. And likewise, then he says, uh, وَالشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ وَالنُّجُومَ مُسَخَّرَاتٍ بِأَمْرِهِ And the sun and the moon and the stars are all subjected by His command. Right? So here Allah is mentioning all these affairs of the creation. Creation of the heavens, of the earth, the night enveloping the day, and these phenomena that we see all the time, the sun, the moon, the stars, we see all these things from Allah's creation. Then Allah says, أَلَا لَهُ الْخَلْقُ وَالْأَمْرُ أَلَا لَهُ الْخَلْقُ وَالْأَمْرُ This means, verily to Allah belongs the creation and the command. So he mentioned two things. To Allah belongs the creation and to Allah belongs the command. So he distinguished between the creation and the command. What is the creation? Obviously, Allah's act of creating and everything which is in creation which he created. What is the command? Al-Amr. Al-Amr is whenever Allah gives a command by way of his speech. So he will either command the angels in relation to the governing of the universe. Right? This is Al-Amr Al-Kawni. The command that relates to the, the universe and the governing of the universe. Or there is Al-Amr Al-Shari. The command that Allah gives when he's ordering or prohibiting his servants. And this is what we have in his revelation. The Tawrat, the Injil, the Zabur, the Quran. So notice how here Allah distinguished between these two things. He said, Al-Khalq wal-Amr. So that means that Al-Amr, the command, is excluded from being from that which Allah described as creation. Right? And this is a proof therefore to show that Allah's command, meaning His speech, is uncreated. Because Allah distinguished between these two things. And that's, this is one of the major verses used by the Salaf to establish that the Qur'an is uncreated. And also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَإِذَا قَضَىٰ أَمْرًا فَإِنَّمَا يَقُولُ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونَ That whenever Allah decrees a matter or judges a matter, then all He says is be to it and it is. Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah number 2, verse 117. So now we have the Qur'an is uncreated. And the third thing that we have then is the Qur'an has also been described as Munazzal. Munazzal. This word Munazzal, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an, we see Munazzal, Tanzil. This word is used often in the Qur'an. Allah says, Tanzilam mimman khalaq al-arda wa-samawati al-ula. This Qur'an is a thing sent down. Tanzil is a thing sent down, a revelation, from the one who created the, heaven, the earth and the lofty heavens. Surah Taha, 
20 verse number 4. Likewise Allah says, Tanzeerul kitabi la rayba fihi min rabbil alameen. At the beginning of Surah Sajda, Surah number 32 verse number 2. The revelation of this book, the sending down of this book, there is no doubt in it, is from the Lord of the worlds. Likewise Allah says in, at the beginning of Surah Az-Zumar, Tanzeelul kitabi min Allahil aziz al-hakeem. That the revelation of this book is from Allah Al-Aziz Al-Hakim. Indeed, we sent to you, we revealed to you the book in truth. So worship Allah alone, being sincere to Him in the religion. Also the hadith of Abdullah bin Abi Awfa, who said, radiyallahu anhu, that the messenger Allah said, Allahumma, O Allah, the one who is the sender down of this book and the one who causes the, 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 uh, the, the clouds to traverse and the one who moves the clouds in Bukhari. Likewise, the hadith of Abu Huraira, radiyallahu anhu, that the messenger of Allah said, tawrat wal injil wal The sender down, al-munazil, the one who sent down, the Torah, the Injil, and the Furqan, which is the Quran in Muslim. Likewise, the hadith of Al-Bara bin Al-Azib radiallahu anhu, who said, uh, that the Messenger of Allah said, Amantu bi kitabi anzalta. That I believe in the book which you sent down, reported by Muslim. In all of these texts that you've heard in the Quran and in the Sunnah, the Quran is referred to as Tanzil, a thing sent down. How now do we understand this? Because we've already established that the Qur'an is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how do we combine between this and between the Qur'an being described as a tanzil? The answer to this is provided when we look at the different ways in which this word tanzil is used in the Qur'an. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah he says that the word tanzil, which literally means a thing sent down, is used in three different ways in the Qur'an. In three different ways in the Qur'an. The first way is when it is used, and Allah clearly says that it is sent down from Allah Himself. This is when it is mentioned in a restricted sense. The second way it is used, the word tanzil in general, is when it is mentioned in relation to something coming from the heavens. Right? So the first one is something coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second one is something coming from the sky. Coming down from the sky. And the third one is when it is mentioned openly without being tied to one or the other. Meaning it is not mentioned as coming from Allah directly, nor is it mentioned as coming from the sky. But it's mentioned in a general unrestricted sense. So the word nuzul and tanzil is mentioned in these three different ways. Muqayyid, uh, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, mentioned in relation to Allah, mentioned in relation to the sky, and then one which is left open and, and, and general. So examples of each of these, uh, as for which, which is mentioned coming specifically from Allah, Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ آتَيْنَهُمُ الْكِتَابَ يَعْلَمُونَ أَنَّهُ مُنَزَّلٌ مِنْ رَبِّكَ, مِنْ ربك بِالْحَقِّ That those to whom we have given the book, 
the Quran. They know that it is munazzal, sent down from your Lord in truth. Right. And this is something unique only to the Quran in the Quran. That nothing is mentioned as coming mirabbik except the except the, the Quran, except the Quran itself. Another example, so the translation of this verse is that those to whom we have given the book know that it is sent down from your Lord in truth. Surah Al-An'am, Surah 6, verse 114. And likewise, in another ayah, Allah says, قُلْ نَزَّلَهُ رُوحُ الْقُدُسِ مِنْ رَبِّكَ بِالْحَقِّ Say that it was brought down by this, the, the, the Spirit, which is Jibreel, from your Lord in truth. And another verse, تَنْزِيلُ الْكِتَابِ مِنَ اللَّهِ الْعَزِيزِ الْحَكِيمِ The revelation of this book is from Allah Al-Hakim. So here look at, in all these verses, the Qur'an is said to be coming, munazzal, tanzil, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the second type which is mentioned, uh, the second type which is mentioned is from the sky. And so, this is mentioned in relation to the water coming from the sky. So Allah says, وَأَنزَلْنَا مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَاءً That we sent down from the sky, water. Water. And Allah mentions again in another ayah, أَأَنْتُمْ أَنزَلْتُمُوهُ مِنَ الْمُزْنِ أَمْ نَحْنُ الْمُنْزِلُونَ In relation to the water again, Allah says, Are you the ones who sent down this water from the, from the sky? Or are we the ones who sent down who send down this, this, this water. And uh, so we see that here, the water is mentioned as coming from the sky. And then we have a third way, or a third, in fact there are many proofs from, you know, for each of these, uh, so we don't want to mention all the different verses. Uh, but uh, a third example is when it is left general and open, so Allah says, for example, فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ سَكِينَتَهُ عَلَىٰ رَسُولِهِ وَعَلَىٰ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Allah sent down, Allah sends down, سَكِينَة Right, so in this ayah it says, فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ سَكِينَتَهُ It doesn't say from where. It just says, Allah sent down سَكِينَة Meaning, tranquility upon His messenger and upon the believers. It didn't say, سَكِينَة from the sky. It didn't say Sakina from Allah. It was left open. It just says Allah sent down Sakina. Unlike what we see earlier on, Allah sends down the rain from the sky. Or Allah sent down the book, the Quran, from, from Himself. You see, it's mentioned unrestrictedly. So the point that we are mentioning here is that once we understand what it means by Tanzil that Allah sent down, and we find that the Quran. Only the Qur'an is mentioned as, as coming from Allah Himself. Mirrabbik. Right? And all the other the, the verses that we looked at. How do we understand this? The way we understand this is that it means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He spoke the Qur'an. Jibreel alayhi salam, He heard the Qur'an. He heard the Qur'an. Then He descended with the Qur'an. He, des- he came down with the Qur'an. And then... He rehearsed it unto the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So this is the tanzil of the Quran. This is the sending down of the Quran. This is how we understood that, that this is the, 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 the meaning of tanzil and the Quran is munazzal, right? So Jibril heard it, the actual speech of Allah, 
and then he brought it down through you know with, with himself and then he rehearsed it to the messenger of Allah so this is what is referred to as the tanzil of the kitab and that's why we see in some of these verses Allah mentions qul nazzalahu ruhul qudus mir rabbika bilhaq surah an-nahl surah 16 verse 1 or 2 here say the ruhul qudus meaning jibril he came down he brought it down he brought it down from your lord in truth so this is how we understood understood this issue of tanzil and the quran being munazil it does not mean that there was some physical book that was sent down and it came down you know through the heaven no that's not what it means it means that the quran it came down by way of the ruhul qudus which is jibril and this is the meaning of of tanzil and the word tanzil in arabic it is such that it, it, this is like a technical issue now but the word tanzil even though it is an action done by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Arabic, it is possible that the word tanzil can, repl- can apply simultaneously to the action that brought about a thing and the thing itself. Right? So to, to explain, when we use the word khalqun, khalq, the word khalq in Arabic means Allah's act of creating, but it also refers to the creation as well. Khalq means Allah's creation. But khalqun also refers to the act of creating as well. So it refers to two things at the same time. Likewise, tanzil, tanzil. Tanzil can refer to Allah's act of sending down, but at the same time actually refers to the actual Qur'an that we have. Right? So this is just one of the, uh, the nature of the Arabic language with certain uh, noun forms. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Fi'l and ma'fool, that's right, yeah, at the same time. Okay, so now we've established what does it mean, munazzal. Al-Qur'an, kalamullah, ghayru makhlukin, we understand all that, munazzalun, we understand what that means as well. The next issue is the statement, minhu bada'a wa ilayhi ya'ud. So when we say minhu bada'a, meaning that Allah is the one who spoke it. Allah is the one who spoke this Qur'an. And he inspired it to Jibreel, Jibreel heard it. And Jibreel brought it to the Messenger of Allah as revelation. And then the messenger, he conveyed it, and then it reached whoever it reached from the Sahaba, and then through them to the rest of the, of the Ummah. And the meaning of, yes, yeah, so this is the meaning of minhu bada'a. Minhu bada'a. Then Ibn Taymiyyah, he clarifies one small point, which is that when we say minhu bada'a, it does not mean that the Qur'an separated from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because the Qur'an is the speech of Allah and the speech is from His attributes. And Allah's attributes do not, do not separate from Him. And this is like an opinion that was said by some of the people of deviation because they wanted to deny that the Qur'an is the actual speech of Allah. So they come, came up with these different explanations. So when we say, minhu bada'a, we mean that it began with Him as His actual speech. And then when we say, إِلَيْهِ يَعُودْ To him will the Qur'an return back. This is referring to the hadith of Hudayfa bin al-Yaman when he says that indeed the book of Allah will be raised in a single night. And so there will not remain upon the earth anything from it. This is one of the signs of the hour at the very end of, at the end of time. When the Qur'an will be, will be removed from the hearts of the people, it will be removed from the, the Mus'haf, 
and it will be removed from the earth and, and there will be nothing left upon it uh, of, of the Qur'an. The hadith is authentic, reported by Ibn Majah, Al-Hakim, and Shaykh Al-Bani, he declared it to be authentic. Next point after this is that the Qur'an, which is a speech of Allah, is letters. The Qur'an that we have is made of letters. The words are made of letters. When we read the Qur'an and we read Alif Lam Mim, Alif Lam Mim, Alif Lam Mim Sad, Alif Lam Ra, all of these are letters in the Qur'an. Taha, Hamim, Kaf, Ha, Ya, Ain, Sad. All of these letters, who spoke these letters first? It was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He spoke these letters first. And from here we understand the falsehood of one of the arguments used by the Ash'aris and Maturidis and other than them who claim that the, this is one of their shubahat, that the letters are created. Letters are created. Okay, Language is created. And this is an incorrect statement. Rather, because Imam Ahmed, actually this, this shubha was brought to Imam Ahmed. This question was posed to Imam Ahmed. Now some people say that the letters of the alphabet are created. This is like another shubha, another doubt. So what do we say regarding this? And the, 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 he replied, he says that you know, we, do, we do not enter into this affair, but basically when this kalam is ascribed to Allah, it is uncreated. So when Allah speaks with letters, with alif lamim, because this is the speech of Allah, then this is not created. But when the men speak, and when the men speak with letters, then it is created. It's simple. Why is this? Because this is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is without beginning, He is without end. His attributes therefore are without beginning. Nothing from Allah is created. And therefore everything that comes from Allah, of His speech, of His action, that too is uncreated. Why? Because it follows on from His essence. His essence is uncreated. His attributes therefore are uncreated. And his actions, therefore, and all of his speeches, likewise, in turn, uncreated. As opposed to us, we came to be after not, after not being. We are clearly, we are, we are originated. Okay. And then we acquired speech, we acquired attributes we didn't have at the beginning. So therefore, everything that we do, we speak, which emanates from us, all of that is created. So if we speak with Arabic, and we speak with these letters, our speech as in our voice, it is created. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He speaks in the Arabic clear tongue, and just like He spoke in the, 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 the language of the Torah, and the language of the Zabur, and the Injil, likewise, that speech of Allah, in that particular language, that is un, it is the uncreated speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So therefore, to raise this issue of, are the letters of the alphabet created or not created, it is an ambiguous general statement, right? We don't say, yes they are, no they aren't. Rather we say, if man speaks with the letters of the Arabic alphabet, that is created. If Allah speaks with the Arabic, Arabic language, that is uncreated, right? So this is how we answer, this is how Imam Ahmad answered the, the question. We do not say absolutely, yes, the Arabic language is created, because this would actually be a false meaning. Because Allah spoke the, Allah spoke the, the Quran in Arabic. And Allah knew, in it, Allah knew from His knowledge every single language that any of His creatures would, would, would speak. And Allah chose to spoke to His creatures 
in Arabic or in the Aramaic, you know, the, the Torah and the Injil, whichever language was spoken of in, 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 in respect to those uh, revelations. So the Qur'an is the speech of Allah in its actual letters. In its actual letters. This belief of ours distinguishes us from the groups and sects of innovation, from the Kullabiyya, from the Ash'ariyya, from the Maturidiyya, who deny that Allah speaks with letter. Who deny that Allah speaks with letters. The proof of this is in the... Uh, the <coughs> uh, in, in the Sunnah itself, the hadith of Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhuma, who said that whilst Jibreel uh, was... Uh, you know, uh, standing or sitting with the Prophet ﷺ, uh, the Prophet ﷺ, he heard something. He heard something, like a, a sound or a voice from above his head. And Jibreel said, this is a door that has opened in the heaven. It has never ever been opened before this time. And an angel has descended from it, which has never ever descended before upon the earth, except for this day today. And then it gave the, 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 the salam. And it said, I give you glad tidings of two lights which I have been given, and which no prophet has ever been given before you. What are these two lights? He said, Fatihatul Kitab, Suratul Fatiha, Wa Khawatim, Suratul Baqarah. And the last passages of Suratul Baqarah. So these two were, were recited. And he says, uh, you will not recite a single word, a, a, a harf, a letter, use the word harf, a letter from them, except that you will be given it. And this is a proof to show that the Qur'an is, is harf, is individual letters. And another hadith of Ibn Mas'ud, the well-known hadith about when you recite the Qur'an, you'll get rewarded ten times for every single letter. And then he says, I do not say that alif, lam, meme is a letter, rather alif is a letter on its own. And the lam is a letter on its own. And the meme is a letter on its own. So he said each of these is a harf. Alif, harf. Walam, harf. Wameem, harf. So this is a statement of uh, Ibn Mas'ud. So this shows that the Qur'an is made up of let letters which make up words, which make up the ayat. And Allah spoke all of that. Allah spoke that in a voice, which brings us to the next issue, which is that we believe that the kalam of Allah is with a voice. The proof of that is in the Quran. فَلَمَّا أَتَاهَا نُودِيَ يَا مُوسَىٰ إِنِّي أَنَا رَبُّكَ فَخْلَعْنَ عَلَيْكَ إِنَّكَ بِالْوَادِ الْمُقَدَّسِ طُوَىٰ This is speaking about Musa a.s. That when Musa a.s. he came to the valley, Musa, it was called out, نُودِيَ يَا مُوسَىٰ Indeed, I am your Lord, so remove your shoes. Indeed, you are in the sanctified valley of Tuwa. And also, in another ayah, Allah says, وَنَادَيْنَاهُ مِن جَانِبِ الطُورِ الْأَيْمَنِ وَقَرَّبْنَاهُ نَجِيَّةِ That we called out to him from the side of the mountain, from the right side of the mountain, and we brought him near in, in Najiya in, in terms of conversation. Surah Maryam. Ibn Taymiyyah says, this word, وَنَادَيْنَاهُ this word an-nida in Arabic, it means to call out to someone with a raised voice. To, with a raised voice. This is the meaning of an-nida. And clearly, an-nida can only be done with a voice. 
So if Allah says that we called out to Musa, to, to Musa, we called out to him from the right side of the, of the mountain, then clearly this means that Allah called out to him with his voice. Otherwise, what was Musa, what was Musa hearing? This was Allah's voice that Allah spoke with in reality. Also, the hadith that we mentioned earlier on, indeed Allah, the blessed and exalted, when he loves a servant, he calls out to Jibreel. And he says, indeed Allah has loved so-and-so. So love him. So then Jibreel loves him. And then Jibreel in turn, he calls out to the people of the heavens, meaning the angels, the other angels. And he says, indeed Allah has loved so-and-so. So love him. And then the people of the heavens, meaning the angels, they then love that individual. And then amongst the people of the earth, acceptance is uh, uh, placed for that person amongst the people of the earth. Hadith in Bukhari Muslim. The evidence from this meaning that Allah calls out and He says, I love so-and-so, Fulan, the son of so-and-so. And so Jibreel clearly he hears the speech from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this shows that the speech of Allah is with a voice, with a voice. And as we mentioned in the previous lesson, that the speech of Allah with a voice, we do not know how His voice is. It is unlike our voice. And as for the argument of the people of innovation, that if you say that Allah has a voice, it means, وَاسْتَغْفِرُ that Allah has a vocal cord, Allah has organs, Allah has a tongue, Allah has lips. And we say that your claim is absolute batil, it is from your ignorance, it is from your jahl, and this so-called tanzih, this so-called purification of Allah that you claim to be doing, it is, it is false as well. Because, just because we affirm a voice for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, does not mean that Allah has to speak in the way that humans speak. And we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself has mentioned about many things from the creation itself, to which Allah will give the faculty of speech. Allah will make the skin to speak on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Allah will make the limbs of an individual, his hands, his feet, to testify against him. The hellfire will speak and will say, enough, enough. Allah will make all these things to speak. Yet they don't have any organs. They don't have tongues. They don't have lips. Right? So it is not binding that just because we affirm a voice for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for any other thing for that matter, that it necessitates it must have a tongue and a lip, a lips and a vocal cord and so on and so forth. So this is a false claim and a false necessity. And it is rejected. Rather we say Allah speaks with a voice as the evidence clearly indicates in the language of the Arabs. And he speaks with letters as he spoke the letters of the, which are in the Quran. Alif, Lam, Mim and so on and so forth. And in all of this, we do not liken Allah to his creation. It's not possible for Allah to be likened to his creation just because we believe in these affairs. Rather we say that his, vo- his voice is something that is unlike our voices and we do not know the reality of his, of his voice. This brings us to the other issue, next issue, which is that Allah's speech, the attribute of Allah is eternal. When we say that Allah has kalam, it means Allah has eternally been one who speaks. But as for the individual instances of Allah's speech, then they are, they are recurring and newly arising. What does this mean? It means that when Allah spoke to Adam alayhi salam, then that speak, speech to Adam alayhi salam was before he spoke to 
Musa alayhislam or Nuh alayhislam and before he spoke to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and before he will speak to the believers on Yawmul Qiyamah this means that Allah has Allah speaks with his will Allah has a choice he speaks with his will and because he speaks with his will his individual instances of speech are other than each other they are different to each other so this is why we say that Allah has eternally been one who speaks so therefore from one angle his attribute of kalam is eternal and in arabic there is a phrase qadimun naw qadimun naw that Allah's kalam is eternal in its genus meaning in its general in, in, in the general sense of the attribute but as for the individual instances of Allah's speech then we say that they are hadithul ahad that they are something that recur right why is this important it's important because if we said all of us Allah's speech is eternal it would mean that everything Allah spoke he spoke it just once in eternity right so he spoke to Adam in eternity he spoke to Musa in eternity he spoke to the message of life in eternity this this of course is is incorrect we know this is incorrect because Allah spoke to Adam then he spoke afterwards to uh, to, to, to Nuh alayhi salam then he spoke afterwards to Musa alayhi salam then he spoke afterwards to Muhammad alayhi salam then he will speak on yawm al-qiyamah then he will speak to the people in par- so all of this we know that Allah's kalam is tied to his will it, he speaks as and when he when he wills uh so this brings us to the next issue that the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes place by way of his mashia and by way of his ikhtiyar, his choice. And so there were a group of sects, there were a number of sects who denied that Allah has a choice. That Allah speaks with a choice and with a will. These groups are five groups in number. The first of these groups are the philosophers, the Greek philosophers. Right? These are people like Aristotle, they say that Allah has no choice. Allah is just a being who is acting by way of his essence. Allah doesn't have any choice to act. Rather he's permanently acting, doesn't have a choice, doesn't have a will. This is the, what the philosopher said. Likewise, the Kullabiyya. The Kullabiyya are a group in the third century of Islam. They came and emerged in the time of Imam Ahmed. And they denied Allah speaks with his will, that Allah chooses to speak as and when he wills. And likewise, the Mu'tazila, the Mu'tazila, they said the same thing, that's the third group. And the fourth group are the Ash'aris, and the fifth group are the Maturidis. In fact, all of the Ahlul Kalam, every single one of them are agreed, along with the philosophers, that Allah does not have any choice in his actions. Allah doesn't act by way of his choice. Allah doesn't speak by way of his choice. Allah doesn't speak by choice. And it's, it's partly because of this shubha, this particular doubt that they have, why they deny the Qur'an is the actual speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As for what we believe and what we hold, we believe Allah speaks as and when he wills. Uh, you know, Allah says whenever Allah uh, intends or wishes something, then he simply says uh, to it be, يَقُولُ لَهُ kun. Fayakun, fayakun. That Allah says to it, be, and it will be. Whenever Allah, you know, intends any affair, whenever Allah makes irada for any affair, then He says, kun fayakun, be, and it is. So we believe that Allah is one who has a choice when He creates, when He speaks, when He 
raises someone, lowers someone, when he punishes someone, rewards someone, when he gives risk to someone. All of this is taking place by way of Allah's will, Allah's choice. Whereas these people are saying, Allah does not have any will or any choice in what he does. And this of course is, is a batil, false saying. And some of them say Allah only has one eternal will, which doesn't like, you know, recur. So they have all of these different false sayings, but they are all agreed that Allah's kalam does not take place by way of his will. So this is another thing that by which we uh, differ from the people of Kalam. This brings us to the next issue, which is the Kalam of Allah is not like the Kalam of man. Kalamullah laysa ka kalam al-bashar. And Imam al-Tahawi rahimahullah, he states in his creed, uh, in al-Tahawi's creed, فَمَنْ سَمِعَهُ Whoever heard, meaning the Kalam of Allah, فَزَعَمَ أَنَّهُ كَلَامُ الْبَشَرِ And who then claimed it is the speech of a man, فَقَدْ كَفَرْ Then he has become a disbeliever. وَقَدْ, وقد ذَمَّهُ اللَّهُ وَعَابَهُ وَأَوْعَدَهُ بِالسَّقَرِ And Allah has rebuked such a person, and has blamed him and criticized him, and has promised him with the hellfire. When he said, حيث قال, سَأُسْلِيهِ السَّقَرِ I shall soon burn him in the fire. This is in relation to one of the mushrikeen. He claimed that the Qur'an was the saying of a man. And so Allah revealed this verse in Surah Al-Mudathir. Uh, you know, this man said, In هَذَا إِلَّا قَوْلُ الْبَشَرِ And so Allah, Allah retorted, I shall burn him in, in, in the fire. So At-Tahawi continues, فَلَمَّا أَوْعَدَ اللَّهُ بِسَقَرِ لِمَنْ قَالَ إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا قَوْلُ الْبَشَرِ so since Allah promised the fire to the one who said that this is nothing but the speech of a man, then alimna wa that we come to know and we have certainty bashar that it is in fact the speech of the creator of mankind. And it does not resemble the saying of a man. And whoever described Allah with any with the meaning of the meanings of men then he has disbelieved. So whoever comes to know this and reflects upon this and he keeps away from the saying of the kuffar, he will come to know that, this, that the attributes of Allah are not, like, are not like the attributes of mankind. So this passage really establishes for us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he rebuked one of the mushrikeen who began to claim that the Qur'an is nothing but the speech of, 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 of a man. So he resembled the Qur'an, which is the actual speech of Allah, to the speech of a man. And in Allah refuting that individual, we see that Allah has denied that this kalam that we have, this, you know, the, the, the Quran, or that the, that the kalam of Allah can be like the kalam of, of, of man. And so from this we know that it is impossible for the kalam of Allah to be comparable or to be likened or to be resembled to the speech of man. And this includes everything. The, 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 the voice of Allah cannot be likened to the voice of man, as in what Jibreel heard and what Musa heard, we do not know the reality of that. Likewise, the Quran itself, it is not the speech of man. So from all those angles, it is not the kalam of Bashir or like the kalam of Bashir. This brings us now to a final issue that we'll try to finish off with, inshallah ta'ala, which relates to the issue of al-hadith, what we call al-hadith al-qudsi. Al-hadith al-qudsi or al-hadith al-ilahi which is probably a better word. Uh, 
we have the Qur'an that Allah revealed to the Messenger of Allah Wasallam, And then we have the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. From the Sunnah, there are many ahadith in the hundreds or many more in which the Messenger of Allah is ascribing speech to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So he says, Qala Rabbi, my Lord said, or Qala Allahu Azza wa Jal, Allah the Mighty and Majestic said. And then he's attributing this kalam directly to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Our belief is that these type of ahadith, which are called ahadith qudsiyyah, or we can say ahadith ilahiyyah, then these we believe them to be the actual speech of Allah in wording and in meaning. The meaning is from Allah and the wording is from Allah as well. We believe this together. This is the belief, the correct belief of Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah. There are some people and also there are a small group of scholars who hold this opinion as well. What they try to say that the Hadith Qudsi or the Hadith Ilahi, its wording is from the Messenger of Allah, but the meaning is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, this statement here is simply opening the door to the saying that the Qur'an is the same. That the wording of the Qur'an is from the Messenger, but the meaning is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, this, this view on the Ahadith Qudsiyyah is a door that opens towards the position of the Ash'aris and the Kullabis who claim that the Qur'an is just the that the Qur'an that we have is the speech of man, it's the speech of Muhammad, but the meaning is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's why this view is an erroneous view to say that the Hadith Qudsi, the meaning is from Allah, but the speech is chosen by the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa So this is incorrect, and for that reason, um, uh, so for that reason this is an issue that we have to be careful of, because there are some scholars who actually did hold this view. Ibn Baz rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, Al-Hadith Al-Qudsi, Kalamullah, Lafdan, Wa Ma'nan. In his Sharh of uh, Sahih Al-Bukhari. Uh, the Hadith Qudsi is the speech of Allah, Lafdan, Wa Ma'nan. Both in wording and in meaning. And Sheikh Muhammad Aman Al-Jami, Rahimahullah, he said in his book, uh, Sharh of Al-Tadmuriya, he said, Al-Hadith Al-Qudsi, Ma'dudun, Min Kalamillah Ta'ala. لأنه على الصحيح من قولي أهل العلم أنه من عند الله تعالى من عند الله تعالى لفظا ومعنا that the hadith qudsi is considered to be from the speech of Allah the Most High because in the correct of the two views of the people of knowledge it is from Allah in wording and in meaning and that's why when you reflect on some of these ahadith qudsiya when the messenger of Allah says that my Lord said, my Lord said, and then he says, then he mentions Abdi, that my servant, Abdi, Allah, the, the, in, in the Hadith Qudsi, mentioned, Allah mentions the word Abdi. So here it is Allah the one who is saying my servant. How can the messenger be saying my servant? You know, it is Allah the one who is uh, saying my servant. Like the Hadith, that my servant does not come closer to me by anything more beloved to me than by way of the, you know, the wajibat. And then my servant keeps coming close to me by way of the nawafil until I love him. So here, who is the one who is saying, Abdi? It's got to be Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is saying, Abdi. Can't be the messenger of Allah. It's got to be Allah who is saying, Abdi. So this shows that this kalam is the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in wording and in meaning. 
This is a clear proof that we see in those particular uh, hadith. And so that which distinguishes, so once we understand this, that which distinguishes between the Quran and between the hadith Qudsi, there are four key differences that you should make a note of. First of all, the Quran is something which has what we call At-Tahaddi wal-I'jaz. At-Tahaddi wal-I'jaz. Two words, one which means that the Quran is a challenge. A challenge. Right? Meaning the, 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 the language of the Quran, it is the Quran which has been made inimicable. It cannot be reproduced. No one can bring something the likes of the Quran. It is, uh, it is the, you know, it is an ayah. It is something that people are incapable of producing. As for the hadith Qudsi, they don't come under this challenge. Even though it is the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the Quran, that which is unique to it as opposed to the hadith Qudsi, it is that the tahaddi, the challenge, has been made by way of the, the Quran. Okay, that's the first difference between the hadith Qudsi, Qudsiya and the, the Quran. The second difference is the Quran is mutawatir. In the way that it has come to us, in its transmission, it has come to us by way of tawatur. Meaning that it has been reported in every level by so many people that its transmission is overwhelming and impossible to have been like a mistake in it or you know a fabrication or whatever. So the Qur'an is mutawatir. As for the ahadith which are qudsiyya, then amongst them there are those which are sahih, amongst them are those which are hasan, among some of those which are obviously da'if. So we see that in their transmission, the ahadith qudsiya are unlike the Qur'an. This is a second distinction between the Qur'an and the ahadith qudsiya. The third distinction is that the Qur'an can be used, that the Qur'an, we worship Allah by way of the Qur'an. We recite it in the salah. So when we, we, we can recite the Qur'an. And the, the, the prayer, you know, it requires the Quran, the Surah Al-Fatiha, and whatever, for it to be, you know, uh, to be valid. But as for the Hadith Qudsi, it cannot be recited in worship. We can't recite the Hadith Qudsi in our Salah. So the Hadith Qudsi, it is not used in the worship of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala in the formal acts of of worship. That's the third essential difference. And the fourth difference is that obviously regarding the Quran. The scholars differ as to should a person have tahara when he touches the Quran. So obviously, uh, the more the befitting correct opinion is that a person should be upon tahara. He should have wudu when he touches the Quran. But as for the hadith Qudsi, there is no such issue regarding the hadith Qudsi. A person need not be in tahara, not a condition, not required, not wajib for a person to have to be upon tahara when he touches the hadith Qudsi, as opposed to the Quran in the view of the majority of the of the scholars. So this brings us to an end of our discussion today. Uh, and so what we've covered today really is, in many respects, it overlaps what we established in the first lesson. Um, we looked at many more different proofs, many more different angles of how to derive proofs from some of the, from the text of the Qur'an. And so we'll conclude our lesson there today, inshallah ta'ala. Next week, or the, in the next lesson, we will finish this topic by looking at maybe some more narrations from the Salaf, on this issue of the Qur'an and deal with maybe three or four of the doubts of Ahlul Bida regarding this issue of the Qur'an being the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this will conclude our discussion of this 
one line of poetry, then we can move inshallah ta'ala to the next line, which deals with the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.